Well, good morning, Porch community. It's good to see you. I'm glad that you are here. Um, turn to Acts chapter 2. That's where we're going to be today. Is my mic hot? It feels hot. Hot, hot mic. So, um, I, over the last several weeks, we're in this series on the book of Acts. We're in the third week. We haven't gotten very far, have we? We're in <laughs> Acts chapter 2, starting there at the beginning. But over the last several weeks, um, I really cannot... Well, I probably could if I had taken the time to stop, but I, I couldn't. I don't know the number, because I haven't looked, of people who have said to me, messaged me, text me, just grabbed me as I'm walking by, and said that they have been praying for the Holy Spirit to move, whether in their own lives or they have experienced the Holy Spirit moving in their life and they want that for the church, they want that for other people. Um, they, I've had people say, I've needed this. I've had people tell me that their, their spiritual eyes have been opened, that they just were not seeing this before. Um, they've been learning so much. And, and some have said that they actually, and I'm not surprised by this because this might be where some of you are, that they actually have thought and pondered the things of the Holy Spirit for the first time really ever in their faith journey. Adults. And so, amen, right? Can we get amen? All right. Justin's so much better at getting the amen back than I am, so. Um, it just takes practice, right, Justin? It just takes practice. We just got to practice it more. Uh, so here, here's the thing. We need, we need to give the Holy Spirit the focus. Um, he is, I've said this, I think, for every week so far, probably say it every other week, but the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is the third person of God. There is God the Father. There is God the Son, Jesus, who was here, who came to do what the Father had him do. He came to give his life for us so that we might have our sins forgiven, so that we can have a relationship with God restored because it was broken in the garden. It had been broken all that time. There was nothing we could do on our own. Everything we tried, it was never enough. Jesus came to repair and restore that relationship. And then he said, I got to go. I'm returning to the Father. I'm going to rule and reign in heaven with him, and I am going to send you the Holy Spirit. And that's who we have. He is the third person of God, and yet we do not give him the attention. We do not give him the focus. And I think we are less powerful we are less equipped to be who God wants us to be on this earth as his people, as his uh, witnesses in the world, because we do not give the Holy Spirit the proper place in our lives. All right, now the anchor verse for this whole series, if you, I, did, I said turn to Acts 2, but if you just turn over to Acts chapter 1 real quick, um, this is the anchor verse, actually for the whole book of Acts. The anchor, anchor verse for the entire book of Acts, when you say, well, what are these Acts about? These Acts come from what Jesus says in verse 8 of chapter 1, when he tells his disciples, this is before he has ascended, he says, but you will receive what? Say it with me. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and, so there's a reason, it's just not so they wouldn't go, hey, look how powerful I am. No, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And the book of Acts 
tells us about them, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, the people who came to know Christ, going out, going forth in that power and being his witness. And that's what the book of Acts and, and the subsequent books that we read in the scriptures, that's what it's all about. So this is the anchor verse for it all. Now, um, here's the, I, I would look at it like this. If you look at verse 8 again real quick, um, there's the mission, which is to be Christ's witnesses in the world, right? And the means by which they're to do this is with Holy Spirit power. You see that? Okay, so there's the mission and the means by, with, by which to accomplish this mission. So without the Holy Spirit, just a couple of thoughts on this before we start in Acts 2. Without the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus in Acts 1 verse 8, without the Holy Spirit's power, we're not on mission for Christ. Without the Holy Spirit's power, we are not on mission for Jesus Christ. To understand what it means to be a Christian is dependent on our understanding of the dynamic, ongoing, fresh work, fresh work of the Holy Spirit. If we neglect the Holy Spirit, I would suggest that if we neglect the Holy Spirit, we slowly, quietly lose faith. But if we make it our intent to understand how the Holy Spirit is at work in us, through us, how He is at work in the world, then what I, what I believe is that we're getting at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So, verses 1 through 4 of, of Acts chapter 2. So it says here, um, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, if you remember, Jesus said, I want you to, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm sending one who's going to come and explain these things to you. He's going to empower you. You're going to be able to do things even greater than me. But wait, wait, wait in Jerusalem. So they've been waiting. Jesus' followers have been waiting. And it says, on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place, suddenly, I can't give I can't give any kind of like this is so powerful but words like fall so short but I'll just read them suddenly a sound a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw so they heard a, a, what sounded like a violent wind filling the house. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. It's about 120 people there. Wasn't just the 12 disciples, by the way. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay. Got it? All right. Let's close in prayer. I'm just um. <laughs> We're going to beat everybody to lunch.
So Luke uses a word for wind here, uh, the word pneuma, um, and it's used in many other places, and it's used to describe the breath of God. So when Luke records this in the Greek, and the original, the readers that read this in, in Luke's account, they read a sound like a violent, like, a, like so loud, and, and like just, it just overwhelms you, breath of God filled the room. Okay, the breath of God and wind in the Old Testament in Hebrew and in the New Testament in Greek, it's interesting, both words that are used for wind both mean breath of God. And so that's how that is used. And that was like, like in the common vernacular of people who weren't even followers of God or Jesus. Um, so Luke uses the Greek word pneuma, and it's this sound, this o- overwhelming the house of Jesus' followers. And so what it is, if you look at pneuma, it's the sound of the life-giving breath of God. So God was breathing into his church the breath of life. Now, also in verse 2, the Greek word for filled, and I have this up here for you. I think you'll be able to help pronounce it with me. It's, it's plerao, plerao. And I love, this is what it means, because it's not just, you know, hey, you know, you kind of fill it up. This is what the definition of playaro means. It means filled, okay? It means to complete, satisfy, to make complete in every particular, to render perfect, to carry through to the end, to accomplish, to carry out. Now, here's what is so very significant about playrao. This is why the sound of the wind that fills the room is so significant. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has arrived to fill them and complete the promise. The promise was that he would come. The promise was that he would come and and fill them up. The promise was that he would come and equip them. The promise was that he would come and help them to understand even words that Jesus had just told them not too long ago. And that he would come and equip them to go and tell the world. So this is what, this is the promise of God was completed when his breath filled the room. Okay? Now, just because it was completed does not mean that it ended. Maybe the better way to say this, he completes his promise and then we begin to live into his promise. Okay? So this is why this is so very significant. I want you to jump ahead a little bit. Um, this was actually the text I looked at, uh, that we looked at for Easter. But go ahead to verses 16 through 21 real quick. Because what Peter does, some people are like, okay, I think these people who just came out of that house where that loud noise was, something's going on, I think they've been drinking. Um, he's like, no, 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 that's not what happened at all. And he tells them, and he quotes the prophet Joel. He quotes Joel chapter 2. Which And these were all like devout Jewish people that heard this noise. And they know Joel. They know the prophets. They know what Joel prophesied. And so this is what, how Peter explains when he, who is filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks to thousands of people and they repent and believe. This is what he says. So the house is filled. The, the, they are filled. And I just, we're jumping ahead for a second just to see. Um, here we go. Uh, in the last days, God says, 
This is Peter speaking, quoting Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's how Peter describes what just went on. What's going on? Pentecost is the birthday of the church. The church. This is, this is day one of the church. Prophecy being fulfilled. God is getting people's attention. Now, Back in, in, a, in, well, we're still in chapter 2, but go back to verse, uh, verse 2 again in Acts 2. Excuse me, verse 3. So the sound overwhelms them, and then it says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. This is also, I mean, this is so, so very significant. Throughout the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, Throughout the scriptures, fire is a sign of the presence of God. Fire is a sign of God's presence, not just in general, but God's presence among his people. Fire is a sign of God interacting with his people, showing them that he is there with them. Okay, we have the burning bush. And then there's all these examples of him with his people as they traveled in the wilderness as they set camp, as they uh, had the, the tent of meeting, as in, eventually a, a temple, a place of gathering, where there is this pillar of fire that is present, that is present, and it guides them, it hovers over it. But this is, what, this is the significance of why they saw what seemed to be fire come and descend, not on just them, one fire in the room, but on each and every person in there. What's so significant about that is at Pentecost, the manifestation of the presence of God as fire. It's not just positioned over that house. It's not just even positioned over that room. It is positioned over each and every person there. The manifestation of the presence of God is now over his people. This is significant because 120 people are gathered there praying in the upper room and now each of them are the new tabernacles, the new dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. All who call on the name of Jesus are now the new dwelling place. Isn't that significant? Isn't that powerful? I think so. God descends in fire on the, the new holy temple, his people. And when he did this, so they hear it, and then they see this, and then it says this, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, we're going to talk about tongues next week. So you can go ahead and unclench everything. Okay, we're just going to focus on the first part of verse 4. 
right now, okay? Listen, I had all the notes ready for today, but we definitely would have gotten out in time to go. We had been getting out for dinner. So, so I just took all those and we moved it. First part of verse 4. So they've heard this, they've seen this, and then it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. In the scriptures, there are several descriptions of how the Holy Spirit interacts in and with people. In the Old Testament and the New, um, there are these powerful phrases that describe being filled with the Spirit, being empowered by the Spirit, baptized in or by the Spirit. And we use these same phrases today to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this is the significance of Pentecost. This had been promised by Jesus, as I said, and this is for which the, the apostles had been waiting and praying since Jesus had ascended. 10 days or so. And so at Pentecost, the Spirit descends from heaven in this incredibly unique way, but the result of what He does is the same today. He fills us. He fills us. This is not just a historical uh, study we're doing today. He fills us. Where followers of Jesus before Pentecost received um, forgiveness and cleansing, you know, made righteous. Believers to the faith after Pentecost, starting with those there in that room, receive forgiveness and cleansing and the Holy Spirit's presence filling them. This fulfilled Joel's prophecy. This is the beginning of the church. Now, here's the nuances of Scripture <laughs> that I, I think we need to lean into just a little bit. When, when the upper room followers here in verse 3 are filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 4, excuse me, he didn't only take up residence in, in them. Like that wasn't the only thing he did, right? They received his power. They, they, it wasn't just like, and now you have the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit's power. Remember, the, the promise was not you'll have the Holy Spirit to be your, your buddy and your guide, but you will have the Holy Spirit who will equip you to tell the world. So they had his presence, but they also had his power. Holy Spirit power. And they didn't just receive Holy Spirit power one time. This is where I think a lot of people kind of go off in different directions. They didn't just receive power one time. They received Holy Spirit power multiple times that we know of recorded in Scripture. How many other times? Only God knows. Multiple times throughout their lives and their ministry. We read. You read on through in the New Testament and you will see how these apostles and those who came to faith later like Paul are filled with the Spirit more than one time. So, like I said, we're going to look more closely next week at the effect of the Pentecost filling and the work of the Holy Spirit and the power that resulted in 3,000 people being saved and baptized. So, what we have been saying, we had a wonderful prayer night on Wednesday and lunch prayer this past week, and some of you uh, did the, the daily devotions of come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Why would we pray come Holy Spirit today if he already came at Pentecost? Why would we do that? 
If the Holy Spirit has been given to all who call on the name of Jesus, why, do we, why would we pray today, May 7th, 2023, come Holy Spirit? Why would we pray that? I think Scripture makes it pretty clear. A couple of references, I don't have them on the screen, so if you're a note taker, this is your time. In Acts 4.8, it says that Peter is again filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks with power. Peter. Peter, like disciple of Jesus, was with him with all the stuff. He messed up really bad. He came back around. He says, I'm going to build my church on you. Jesus tells him this. And then he's empowered and he speaks his powerful word. But he is filled again. If Peter needs to be filled again, <laughs> Shannon needs to be filled again. Okay. In Acts 4, 31, Peter and John and other disciples, while praying, the place where they were was shaken, and they're all again filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, So there's this continuing infilling of the Spirit. They spoke the Word of God with extraordinary boldness and power, Scripture says. In Acts 6, 8, Stephen is full of power and did wonders and signs among the people. In Acts 9.17, Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit at his conversion, and the result was that he spoke with extraordinary power. And then it says later in other verses that he is filled again. In Acts 11.24, Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and the effect that Luke mentions was that a large number was added to the Lord, just like at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit filled them, filled them, and filled them. Some of the same people being filled again and again and again. This is important for any who think, though the filling happened at Pentecost and now I'm kind of grandfathered into all this. Yes, you are, but do you see how when the apostles, when the disciples, when the follower of Jesus, followers of Jesus did anything in the name of Jesus and when anything happened in the name of Jesus that was of note, noteworthy to write in Scripture, they were filled again, it often says, with the Holy Spirit of God. There is a need, porch community, for us to have a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit every day day every day it should be our prayer come holy spirit every day several times a day come holy spirit fill me up i appreciated one of the prayers uh, that was prayed this week as we sat out at the picnic tables and and people came and it was wonderful and one of the prayers was something to the effect of um, God, I have filled myself up with some stuff and I need that to be emptied out so that you can truly fill me. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to ask, come Holy Spirit, fill me up because I, there's some stuff, one, that needs to be removed. Two, maybe, I, maybe I'm just poured out. Maybe I spent the day just pouring myself out to you. I... I I don't know how many of us feel like we put our head on the pillow at night and go, everything I did today, God, was in just to glorify you. And it was in total and complete surrender to you. But if it was, and if that is how you, how you are when you lay your head on your pillow, one, praise the Lord. I want to know you. I want you to disciple me. Two, 
you need to be filled back up because you poured yourself out. We need this fresh infilling from Pentecost uh, on. From Pentecost on, the birthday of the church, the work of the Holy Spirit in the scriptures is referred to in these ways. Receiving the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit falling upon those present, the Holy Spirit being poured out upon those present, or the Holy Spirit coming upon and moving in them. Why would we pray today, come Holy Spirit? (laughs) Because we see how in Scripture, fresh infillings of the Spirit of God in the followers of Jesus continued after Pentecost. And they continue to this day. John Wesley along with a lot of other noted theologians, but I'm just quoting him because I like him. Uh, He surmised that the work of the Holy Spirit, he surmised it this way, and he said that there are fresh infillings of the Spirit throughout a believer's life. And these fresh infillings are what I have been praying for myself. And these fresh infillings are what I've been praying for the people of the Porch Community Church. My prayer has been, may we be wholly dependent on you, Holy Spirit. May we be dependent on you. May we, we be dependent on, for you to pour out your power, your gifts, your promptings, so that we will be equipped for the mission. So we'll be equipped for the mission, to declare the wonders of God. To declare the works of Jesus, to declare the forgiveness of sins, to to let people know that there's redemption of life, that there is hope, that restoration is possible, that that there is new creation from, from death, that there are new beginnings for those who call on the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Fill me so that I can be equipped for the mission. Holy Spirit, come so that we can be equipped for your mission. So we pray for a fresh infilling today. We're going to share the sacrament of communion in in just a moment or two. And I know those who are serving can can go ahead and, and prepare those but here's what I would like you to do. Would you, would you close your eyes for a minute? And I'm not going to make you raise your hand. So again, you can unclench things. Um, would you make this, what I'm about to share with you, would you make this your, your prayer this morning? Um, actually, I'm going to ask those who are serving communion to just stay right where you are because I want you to pray this too. <laughs> make this your prayer this morning. Re- repeat this prayer. Repeat it quietly. And normally it's like, let's do a big loud thing. Everyone hear it. Repeat this. Make it your prayer to God. Just between the two of you right now, okay? I'm going to, I'll say a, a, a few words and then I'll pause and then I'll say a few more so that you can just repeat that to the Lord. Make this your prayer. Jesus, I receive your Holy Spirit. Open me up to receive all you have for me.
come, Holy Spirit. I yield my heart to you as the disciples did. I receive the life-giving gift of your presence. I am ready for a fresh infilling right now. I receive your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.